Ephesians chapter number 5. Joe, did I leave my thing back there with you? My iPad? Did I didn't leave my iPad back there? Well, that's a first in a long time. Leaving my iPad somewhere. No, I brought it upstairs from downstairs. All right, find Ephesians chapter number 5, and I'm going to take a peek in the round here, see if it's in here. And uh, you can hear me, Ephesians chapter number 5. We're finally getting back to chapter 5, and here it is. Praise the Lord for the office here. It's right there. Good thing. So, all right. That works out good, right? We got it. So, Ephesians chapter number 5. Ephesians chapter number 5. And don't look at me like you never leave something somewhere and you don't remember where it's at. Let's be honest. How many of you did that today with something? Yeah, all right. Thanks for being honest. But I'm doing it more and more lately. I don't know. And um, so there's a reason why that shuttle hasn't moved from where it's sitting. But that's all I'll say about that. I won't go any deeper into that. I might not know where the key's at. So Ephesians 5, verse number 18. Let's read that together. It says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now, several weeks ago, we got to verse number 18, 19, and 20, and then we went off on worship for about four weeks, and now we're back here. And so I'm going to review a little bit as we dive forward tonight, and we're going to look at submitting ourselves one to another, spirit-filled submission. Last time we were here, we looked at spirit-filled worship, and we're going to continue with that thought tonight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's get into it. Father, we love you, and we need you tonight. Thank you for loving us, and thank you for being our God. Pray that as we're here in this passage tonight that you do work in our hearts and that you meet with us tonight. We love you. We praise your precious name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Spirit-filled life. That's what we need in our lives, to be Spirit-filled. The Bible says here, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. We see God commands his people in this passage to be filled with the Spirit. That means that we are to be under the control of the Spirit in every area of our life. That's our goal. Just like a drunkard is controlled by excessive alcohol consumption, the believer is to be controlled by the Spirit of God. Alcohol has the ability to absolutely control the life of the person who consumes too much of it. You know, when's that point when it starts affecting you? I don't know. I've had one bite of tequila ice cream one time, and that was on accident. And that's as far as any alcohol has been in these. So I don't know how much it would take. Or when, and maybe it's right away. I don't know. And someone asked me a while back what, it, you know, we were talking, and they were like, you, how, how, have you, how are you when you get drunk? I don't know why they even asked me that question. I'm like, I've never been drunk before. I don't know. I guess after a long day at church, maybe some NyQuil, I drink a little bit of that, but I just go to sleep, so I really don't know how it affects me and all of that good stuff. But that's why you don't drink and drive, because it impairs your judgment. And you might think that you're okay, but you're really not. And that's why it's important. And, you know, the best way not to get drunk, are you ready? Just don't 
drink. Do you know how many homes could be helped today if people just wouldn't drink? Do you know I think we could do more good for our world instead of worrying about COVID if we worried about drunkenness? More people, think about all the people that die because of it. Think about the families torn apart. Alcohol is an awful thing. And as a Christian, you should not drink. That's just a side note tonight. And I know there are people that say, well, the Bible says you can give a little wine for your stomach's sake. and Blah, blah, blah. I think there's a lot more than Jesus turned water into wine. And there's a lot of people with a lot of different things. So think, the, think with me about this real quick. And this isn't even part of the notes, but we got time. We're doing good. We're doing fine. So let's say that Jesus turned that water into wine. Let's say that it's okay to drink a drink. Okay, let's just say it's okay. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying for sake of illustration. So, because there are those who say the real sin is drunkenness. That's the sin. And I don't know that I would disagree that because drunkenness is the sin. But tell me that Jesus would put a temptation in front of everyone to sin. Because if he turned the water into wine and it was alcohol, he was giving people a chance to be tempted to do wrong. Right? And the Bible says that he tempteth no man with evil. Isn't that what the Bible says? So I think that makes it pretty clear. And as Christians, you can justify anything you want in your Christian life. So many people justify things in their lives. Just do what's right. Live for God. Don't get drunk. Stay away from the bottle. Get filled with the Spirit of God. That's what we need. Same way that alcohol impairs the way a person talks, the way they act, the way they move, all of those sorts of things. A Christian who yields to the Holy Spirit finds the Spirit will take charge of their life. The way you talk, the way you act, the way you tweet on social media, the way you post on Facebook, all those different things, the Holy Spirit can lead you and guide you. He'll take control of those things. And wouldn't it be wonderful? Sometimes I look and I'm like, man, I wish I would have acted differently in this situation. Well, that's what happens when you yield yourself to the Holy Spirit. He does. A lot of times we just walk so much in the flesh, and that's one of, our, that's one of my biggest problems, probably one of your biggest problems as well. And... So we saw Jesus, there's a command from the Lord here to be filled with the Spirit of God. We see the next verse, verse 19 and 20. It says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, with singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks all, always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We see in those verses the fact we talk about we go from being filled with the Spirit to some of the byproducts in the first thing. It's interesting to me that the Spirit-filled life, it doesn't begin with submission. It begins with our worship. That's key. There's a reason there. God doesn't put things in the Bible just, oh, I just threw that in there just in that spot. It just so happened to be right there. Well, there's a reason behind everything that he does. And in fact, you'll notice from verse 18 through verse 21, it's one sentence. You know, we split it up by verses, but it's one sentence there before us. And I find it amazing that as soon as Paul tells us to be filled with the Spirit, he talks about our worship life. It seems to me that the Spirit-filled life will be a worshiping life, and a person who's filled with the Spirit of God will find themselves singing and praising and worshiping the Lord. I think they go hand in hand together. 
And as we look at this, we're supposed to be filled with the Spirit. We're supposed to be making melody in our hearts to the Lord. And those all go together as well as, now you've got to understand something. We see the fact that we need to be filled with the Spirit of God. We see the fact that in verse number 19 there, we see our worship needs to be Spirit-filled. As, we're, as those things happen, and as, the, as we're making melody in our hearts, as the strings of our heart are strong, we're going to be thankful. Verse number 20 there. And then we see submitting ourselves one to another, all tied together in this thought. The spirit-filled believer will be under the control of the Lord. The spirit-filled believer will have a love and worship for their Redeemer. But according to verse number 21, a spirit-filled Christian will also be a humble, submissive believer. Look at that verse, very simple. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. It's a command for the believers of Christ, or Christians, us, to be humble. It's a command for us to be submissive. It's a command for us to live out the spirit-filled life with a heart of a servant. That's what we see here. I want to take a few minutes to talk about spirit-filled submission. Number one tonight, we see how submission is demanded. The Bible says here, submitting yourselves one to another. This phrase, it's a command in Scripture here. And submission, whatever it is, it's a command. It's not an option. If it's something the Lord expects us to do, then we need to find out what it is, and we need to do what He wants us to do. The word submit here means to be in obedience to, to be under, to arrange under. It's a military term that refers to keeping one's rank. It's the idea of subordination. In our text, we see the word speaks to our relationship with others. But also submitting yourselves one to another. In this verse, submission calls each of us to consider ourselves subordinates to one another. That's kind of hard sometimes. This means we're to consider ourselves the servants of others. It means that in, that in everything, others are to come before ourselves. When we think of submitting ourselves to one another, we often think of it as weakness. In truth, no one can make you submit to anyone. But if you want all your relationships in your life to prosper, a submissive spirit must dominate your life. If we walk in selfishness, putting ourselves ahead of everyone else, the fallout will be catastrophic in our lives. Submitting yourselves one to another, when we're submissive, we're doing what Jesus did. We're acting like him. While he was and while he is God in the flesh, the Lord Jesus was submission to the will of his Father. John 4.34, Jesus said to them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. John 5.30, the Bible tells us, I, can't, I, I can't of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. Because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. John 6, 38. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him 
that sent me. We think about Philippians chapter number 2 where it talks about let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And the Bible says, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant and he was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, what did he do? He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus was submissive to the Father's will. He lived his entire life serving the needs of others. If you're following my devotionals each day in the book of Mark, you'll see, man, Jesus just served the people. And even today, you see how the crowds turned on him. Even his own disciples were turning on him. And his mother and his brethren were turning on him. He served people. We think about Mark chapter number 10, verse 45. For the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. When we walk through this life with a submissive spirit, we're walking like our Savior walked. In fact, when we walk in submission to God and others, we're giving concrete evidence that we're filled with the Spirit of God. And that's a key component to the fruits of the Spirit, temperance. When we exhibit temperance, it refers to self-control. When we put others first, we're controlling the impulse to exalt self. And it's a powerful impulse in each of us to exalt self. But yielding to the Spirit helps us keep self in the proper place. People ask the question, so we're supposed to submit to one another. So we submit to everything government tells us to do. We submit to all those things. Where's the line with all of that? That's a good question, isn't it? That's a very good question. We're supposed to do all within our power to submit to the authorities that are in our lives. That's Bible. I believe that that's how it's supposed to be. We look around us today, and you might look sometimes, you might look at my Facebook posts. They're getting a little bit more political more lately for some reason. But there's something, in our country we have something called a constitution and a bill of rights. And those trump any political leader in power. In fact, they, are sw they swear to protect the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And when they trample those documents, I don't think that that's the submissive part we're supposed to be. Our governor today made the statement, because he's talking about the importance of not socializing with anybody over Fourth of July. And the thing they said is, in our Declaration of Independence, it says it's for life. And he's like, for the sake of life, don't hang out with other people on the 4th of July. Okay, you hypocrite. How about all the aborted babies? Yeah, it's for life. But he also forgot life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It wasn't one above those three. It was all three of those in our founding document. And so, in all honesty, church, we need to do our best to submit to the, those in authority over us. And, it need, and we need to. The police officers out there, 
government and all of those things. But there also comes a point where you've got to stand up for what our country's founded upon. Because the time comes when you don't. And all of our freedoms will just magically disappear one day. And that's where we're headed right now. Who would have thought that a governor out of his own mouth could just say, all the restaurants have to close? Tell me where that is found in any documents anywhere that a governor has that power. In an emergency order, a governor has one month. We're going on four. So there's a difference between the two of those, but I want to be, in all honesty, we need to do our best to submit ourselves to authority. But there also comes that line where when they break from what's right, you've got to stand up for what's right. And we must be about our Father's business. And you think about this, the more we lose our freedoms in our country, the less we're going to be able to do our Father's business without restrictions. And we're going to have to just do what's right. I'm glad today he didn't say anything about churches closing their doors. I'm glad he didn't say that today. I was expecting it. I honestly was. And I was still going to be here tonight. Because I already told you I'm done with that. And, but I want you to understand, this verse is real. We need to submit ourselves one to another in the fear of God. But that doesn't make us a doormat either. There's a difference between the two. And make sure you understand. And if... I just confused you more. If you're watching online, you're like, Pastor, be in my head tonight. My head's everywhere tonight. So my head's messed up tonight, but that's all right. I'm doing my best. And uh, so hopefully it makes sense what I'm saying. Does that make sense? Because I am all for authority. And we must respect and submit to authority. But when authority isn't following what they're supposed to do, you've got to stand up for what's right. We wouldn't have America today if it were not for men who signed the Declaration of Independence, who were fighting against what we're putting up with today. I don't think our governor, I think he's trying to do his best with what he's doing. He could have a hidden agenda behind it all. I pray that he's doing it for what he thinks is best for all of us. But I don't need governments to tell me what's best. That's why... You know, we're adults. And some people need to be a little smarter on the things that they do. You know, to me, I kind of like bars being closed. You know what? But it is kind of wrong the way they do it. But I do like them being closed. So anyways, let's keep on going here. When we walk through this world in the submissive spirit, we're showing this world who Christ is. And you know how often... Maybe you get into an argument with someone. Maybe you get in an argument with your wife or discussion with your wife or whatever the case may be. And you just want to prove that you're right. And you just want... That's not having that submissive spirit. When you've got to prove that you're right, you're not showing Christ to anyone. Not at all. And sometimes, and sometimes I just see... And you see those things and how we just need to be like Christ. Biblical submission is about loving others ahead of self. You know, and if you really love people right now, you put your mask on when you go outside. The Bible tells us in Matthew 22, verse number 39, and the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So we see that there in the Bible. 
And I was being sarcastic a minute ago. Biblical submission is about being like Christ in all of our relationships. The command here is for us to love others the way Jesus loves them. To serve them like he served them. And to walk through this life submitted to the will of the Father just as he did. good example was the other day. I went to a gas station. I had all four kids with me. It wasn't smart. It's not right now. It's not smart to take four kids with you at one time into anywhere. Well, you know, on the sign on the door, it says no mask, no service, right? So I put a mask on and I put a mask on the three older kids. And Matthew's barely over three. And he can't even keep it on. I brought him in without it. She's like, you're not allowed in here without a mask. I said, I'm wearing one. She said, on your little one too. Like, and I said it, are you kidding me? And I just, and then I'm like, you know what? I did have a Bible verse or something on my mask, so that kind of helped right there. <laughs> and I said, you're just doing what your boss wants you to do, and I'm sorry. I'll go find something and put it on his face. We walked out, we got something put on his face, and I went back in. I think that's the type of, I think that's one of those times where I showed a little bit, I think that Christ would have been a little bit happier with me instead of getting upset like I was. And, you know, people are having a hard time through all this. They try to do, and it's, you know, all of that, and you can figure it all out for yourself. But we need to be willing to submit. It's an, an important thing. It's demanded, secondly, number two, how submission is described. The next phrase says, submit yourselves one to another. That one to another, obviously the Lord's referring to our submission to other members of God's family. But I think it goes even further than that. One key to what the Lord is saying is found in the verses that follow. There are so many things that we will see in these verses from verse 22 of chapter 5 through chapter 6, verse number 9. And Paul tells us that there is to be submission in several areas of life. And by the way, a submission, it speaks of a mutual submission. You can look at the next verses. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. And every husband always says amen to that verse right there. My wife is supposed to be submissive to me. But you'll notice before the Lord ever says that a wife is supposed to be submissive, he says, submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So that's important. And you see how it is worded. God tells the wife to submit to their husbands. And I like that verse. But he tells both mates to be in subjection to one another. You might say, well, is God being, he's being, um, it's a contradiction, right? So we're supposed to submit to one another. But then it says for the wife to submit herself unto her own husband. That's not a contradiction in the Bible. God has vested leadership in the home, and he's given that leadership to the husband. The man's supposed to be the spiritual leader in the home. And far too many men will take that submission of the wife to mean that you can throw around that like weight at home. Woman, we're going to do it my way. That's not a smart way to live. They'll try to overrule their wives by demanding, you woman, submit. That's the best way to get a shoe thrown upside your head. Or else there's some men I know that won't let their wives make any decisions unless the husband approves of it. And that's the most stupid thing I've ever heard of. 
The wife can't spend any money unless the husband approves of it. The wife can't do this unless the husband approves of it. And that's not what God's talking about in this verse here. Only a fool would have that type of relationship with their wife. A man is to lead, not from the position of authority, but from the position of love. You see that in those following verses. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And you cannot love your wife unless you're willing to serve her. Isn't that what Jesus did for the church? And I think we talk more about that, but then I'm going into what we get into next week. So I'll save that for next week and not go any further. We see that relationship. We see chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. We see the relationship between parents and children. There's to be mutual submission in that relationship. And kids are thinking, sweet, my parents submit. No, that's not what I'm saying. Hold on when we think about that. Children are to submit to their parents. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And you might think when you're a teenager that you know everything and that you've got everything figured out in life. You don't. And you won't. And God gives you parents, and I don't care. You need to honor and respect them and obey them and do what they tell you to do. And every parent should have said amen right there. But before Paul moves away from that part of the relationship, he speaks to dads in verse number 4. The fathers are commanded to raise their children with grace. They're not to dominate their children with ruthless power. They're to raise them with a Christ-like spirit. They're to help them to reach their fullest potential in Jesus Christ. And if the commands in these verses are to be carried out, there must be mutual submission. Children have to submit to the authority of the parents, and parents are to serve their children by loving them and by, by patiently guiding them through life. It's a two-way street. You look at verse, chapter 6, verse 5 through 9. It deals with the relationship between a master and slave. I've heard some people talk about how, oh, I'll never read the Bible because God's for slaves. If anything, you want to talk about how it talks about a master and someone working for him. The Lord's putting them on equal playing fields, is what he's doing here. You see here, the modern comparison would be the relationship between an employer and an employee. In that relationship, there must be mutual submission. The employee should yield to the demands of the master... He's to do what he's told and to give his employer a good day's work. And the employer should respect those who work for him. He's to consider their needs and to treat each worker fairly and not show favoritism. It's a two-way street. That's what the Bible's talking about here. If this relationship is going to work in a fashion that glorifies the Lord, there must be submission on the part of the master and on the employee. And Paul's writing to believers here, and it's just an amazing thing as we look at it. You think about Christianity came along and changed society of that day. You know, you think about how society in the days when this was written, how they viewed men, women, children, slaves. They were all on different levels. The man was something special. His wife was not. Children were not. The dad, the husband, the man was the head guy. A slave had no place. Slave had no rights. Women had few rights. Children, slaves had none. Men dominated the culture. They were the law. They were the power. They were the authorities. 
But do you see that God commands everyone to submit themselves to one another? That's the way the Bible lays it out. God commands every person in the family of God to submit to every other person in the family of God. doesn't matter your color, race, or just smear ourselves one to another. And the question is, is that kind of submission found in your life? Or is there room for improvement? We saw, number one this evening, how submission is demanded. Number two, how submission is described. And then number three, how submission is directed. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. That final phrase of the verse says, in the fear of God. What does it mean to fear God? The weird, the, the weird, the word fear translates from the Greek word phobos, where we get the word phobia. It often refers to an alarm, terror, and fear. But there's a secondary meaning to the word fear in Greek, and it's used to, re to refer to reverence. That's Paul's intent in this verse here. Think about this. The word here speaks of a holy reverence for God. It speaks of a reverence for God that respects Him above all other authorities. And this reverence to God manifests itself in total obedience to Him and His will for our lives. When we fear God, we'll be in submission to Him. When we are submitting to Him, We'll have no problem submitting to other authority figures in the home, in society, on the job, or in the church. You'll even notice how the Bible talks about, when it talks about wives, submit yourselves unto, unto your own husbands. Look at the rest of that there. It says, as unto the Lord. You see how that's mentioned there? And then we see in verse 25, how husbands love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. When we're submitted to God, you've got to understand our submission to him is not based because we think that he's this awful tyrant that's going to destroy us. We submit to him because of all that he's done. He's our father. He's done so much in our lives. And if Jesus could live the life he did and do all that he did because I place God at a high level of respect in my life I can submit myself to one another based on that our submission in all the relationships of life is a direct result of our love for and our fear of almighty God when God has his proper place in our lives others will also you see how, you think about the first and great commandment, right? To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. This is the first commandment. What's the second one? To love your neighbor as yourself. You'll never love your neighbor as yourself if you don't love God. You must have a right view of God in order to submit yourselves one to another. Submission is a concept we don't hear a lot about today. It's a concept we rarely see lived out in our world today. And yet, according to this verse right before our eyes, it's the will of God for every one of his children. If you're like me, sometimes you struggle in this area. It's not always easy to yield my rights to others. It's not always easy to put others ahead of self. 
but it's what we're commanded to do. This verse simply teaches us that in our relationships with others, we just need to strive to be like Christ. Do you know what the Spirit-filled life is all about? Living like Christ. Where His attributes, the fruits of the Spirit, flow through us. We're going to look at over the next several weeks, you know, men, you might say, how can I be a good husband? Well, we just read we're supposed to uh, be filled with the Spirit of God. A good husband is going to be a spirit-filled husband. A good wife is going to be a spirit-filled wife. A good child in the home is going to be a spirit-filled child. A good father or mother or parent in the home is going to be a spirit-filled parent. The best employers are going to be the spirit-filled employers. The best employees are going to be the spirit-filled employees. Our relationships in life could be completely changed if we would get hold of this fact that we need to be filled with the Spirit of God. And instead of ruining relationships because we let our flesh dive in, we need to let God work in our lives and do what only He can do. As I said also, make sure you understand, submitting yourselves one to another does not make you a doormat. Don't let others walk all over you, trample over you, take advantage of you, or, or abuse you. There are times to stand up for yourself. And I've heard many a sermon preached in the wrong way about submission. And I even heard one pastor tell, tell a lady to stay in a relationship with her husband because she needs to submit to him as he was abusing her. That never, that's never, that's not what this is talking about. Not what it's talking about in the least. And so, let's learn to submit ourselves one to another in the fear of God. Father, we thank